Looking for game news? Then be glad! You're now listening to Keyboards 2 Controllers, the only show for video game lovers by video game lovers. Now for the latest on game news, leaks, and rumors, it's your host, Ryan Beavers! let us go! Welcome to the first edition of Keyboards to Controllers with me, your host, Ryan Beavers. I'm very glad to be here right now because I love video games. I've been a video gamer for basically all my life. I like to think I know my way around a controller, and I like to think I know my way around kind of the gaming space, the news, and just kind of the gaming industry. Of course, I'm no professional. I'm just your average gamer, your average consumer. But I like to think I have some unique opinions and hopefully can give you a pretty informed opinion on some up-to-date game news, leaks, and rumors. So I'm very excited to be here. Big shout out to my good friend Matthew Williamson for recording that intro for me. And it's going to be a great time. For today's edition of Keyboards to Controllers, we have a lot of exciting news as we're going to be discussing some major game demos shown off at PAX West, and we're going to be talking about a huge leak for GTA 6 that could give us the release date. We're going to be talking all of that and more here on Keyboards to Controllers. So we're going to start right away with some game news. So for this segment, I'm going to be telling you some of the biggest video game news at the moment, what you need to know about that news, what I think about the news, and what that news means for the gaming community. So we're just going to jump straight into the first story today. Our first story for today, Volition recently announced that after service since 1993, they are closing their doors effective immediately. Now, for those unaware, Volition is the people behind the Saints Row games, as well as many other games, including Red Faction, a very, very big studio, very popular studio. And this kind of announcement came as a shock to many, many people because it was completely out of the blue. As far as everyone else can tell, Volition was just running business as usual. Things were going smoothly. But in a statement from Volition, on the closing, they stated... This past June, Embracer Group announced a restructuring program to strengthen Embracer and maintain its position as a leader in the video game industry. As a part of that program, they evaluated strategic and operational goals and made the difficult decision to close Volition effective immediately. So I don't know very much about restructuring programs or really much about the groups. Embracer Group is kind of that group that owns Volition. So they've just basically decided that Volition isn't worth it. It's just not worth it to have it up anymore. And a lot of people are pointing to the brand new Saints Row game and the poor reception of it, the poor sales, and just all of that as the reason why the studio shut down. Many people, when they initially saw the trailer for the Saints Row reboot, they criticized the game for its cringy dialogue and overall feel, claiming that it's not like Saints Row. Then, upon the game's release, many criticized it for the things already mentioned, but also for the game's poor mechanics. And let me tell you, I did buy the new Saints Row, and I played it all the way through. And I'm somebody who, as a gamer, I like to think I'm pretty easily pleased. And so when I played the Saints Row reboot, I had fun. I'm not going to sit there and say that I, I was, like, absolutely miserable for my entire 
12 or so hours I spent with the game, but to say that the game has some cringy dialogue would be an absolute understatement. There's a part at the beginning of the game where you're driving in the car, your character gets fired from a job, and he's like, crap, crappity crap, crap, crappity crap, crappity crap, poop, balls, poop, crap. And it's just one of those moments where you're sitting there and you're listening to this dialogue and you're just like, what is going on? on and also there was just a lot of glitches i remember there would be a lot of times where i would have to fully close the game because i wouldn't be able to shoot or switch my guns and there was a lot of tedious missions too they would have like the returning system in saints row is like businesses you go around and you buy businesses and then you kind of go and you gain passive income from them but you can also do actual work for that business too and 90 percent of these jobs which are supposed to make up a good chunk of this game are quite literally just go here get in this car drive off and that's not to say that there aren't some fun missions. A lot of the main story had a lot of really, really cool ideas. The game ended up feeling kind of like a Western and it had a lot of really fun ideas. There was a mission where you kind of like robbed a train, but it wasn't like a train like you'd rob in like the Western days. The game's kind of a little bit futuristic-y, so you got to rob this like futuristic-y train and it was just a really, really cool part. But the thing is that game, the Saints Row reboot, allegedly cost over a hundred million dollars to make and sales of the game resulted in around a $45 million loss around the time of release. And that could be something where, you know, the game comes out, they have the sales, and yeah, it's a loss then, but maybe as the game goes on and on, you just kind of slowly start making more and more sales. But as it turns out, that is just not the case. The game has just been absolutely critically slammed and absolutely nobody wants to play this game even if they did update it to try to make it better. They even tried to put it onto PlayStation Plus, making it one of the free games of the month and still nobody has any interest in playing it. And the reason this is such a big problem is because the original Saints Row games are absolutely huge. The original, the first ever Saints Row game cost $30 million to make but ended up selling over over 2 million copies. Saints Row 2 cost around 60 million to make and sold around 3 million copies. And the sales for the games after that being Saints Row 3 and Saints Row 4 still stayed relatively positive. So having this new entry, this is meant to be a complete reboot for the Saints Row franchise. Everything that happens in Saints Row would be picking up from this point. Having it be just this terrible right off of jump just spells, in a way, destruction, not only for one of Volition's biggest properties, Saints Row, but just for that game, just for that company. And it was a very, very disappointing thing because I actually, I do have a YouTube channel. I actually made a video too, defending the new Saints Row game, being like, okay, but but can we give it a chance? Like, let, let's just try, let's just wait until this game comes out and then maybe we can see after if it's gonna be as bad as everyone thinks it is or if it's gonna be maybe it's better. Maybe we would actually end up liking the game. Who knows? But of course, after playing it myself, I realized that's not the case. And like I said, while I did have fun with it, it's definitely not a good game. It is so fundamentally flawed. And especially coming from Volition, it is just so disappointing because if you play any of the other Saints Row games, me personally, I've been a fan of Saints Row since Saints Row the Third. So I played Saints Row 3, I played Saints Row 4, and then I played Saints Row Got Out of Hell. When you play those games, there's just such a specific 
feel to them. They feel so fun to play. They have a lot of character. They've done a very good job of separating themselves from other third-person crime games like GTA. And that's why this game is so disappointing because it is so basic. It is so plain and it just is not very good. But the decision to close down the studio is causing many different reactions from fans. On Twitter, of course, Twitter always has opinions, one fan said, a whole studio lost because they made a game called Saints Row instead of making a Saints Row game. And another user named Drip Often said, not only Descent, Saints Row, or Red Faction, Volition is also responsible for the greatest Marvel game ever made, one that will forever be one of a kind, seeing how Disney handles things. Farewell, and thanks for the memories. So there's a lot of mixed reception on this studio closing down. A lot of people are sad because at the end of the day, Volition Studios did make a bad game. To say that the Saints Row remake released in a good state and is a good game is an absolute lie. And to say that the state that they released the game in was acceptable is absolutely not true. It is not an acceptable state to release a game in at all. But Volition did develop a lot of really, really classic games, as that other Twitter user said. It's not only Saints Row, Red Faction, and a lot of other games that people love. So this studio closing down is, in a lot of ways, a lot of people's childhoods or favorite game developers just completely going out of business. But of course, their biggest game property is Saints Row. And many fans may wonder, what's going to happen to their favorite game series like Saints Row or even other games? Well, they don't have to worry, since the development of the games is being taken over by game development studio Plyon, who are the developers behind Dead Island 2. So that gives me a lot of hope. Dead Island and Dead Island 2 are some of the best first-person zombie games of all time. They have a lot of character a lot of very clever dialogue. So seeing that this game studio that has already shown themselves to be a great contender when it comes to good writing, good gameplay, good visuals, is picking up kind of that torch that Volition left with games like Saints Row and Red Faction, it, it is, in a way, a relief. I'm very, very happy to see it because I really do have a big soft spot for games like Dead Island. And it does, it is fun too because we get to see what a Saints Row game would look like from a different developer. We get to see what they think Saints Row is. We get to see how they interpret things like the story, the characters, the writing, the gameplay, all in a just completely new format. So I've got to say, I'm very, very excited to see what Plyon, the developers behind Dead Island 2, are going to be doing with a lot of Volition's properties. But at the end of the day, I think we all can agree, seeing a game studio as iconic as Volition or any game studio in general shut down is very, very sad. But at the end of the day, we still have the games that we love being developed by other studios. So I guess we didn't really lose anything, but the impact that Volition has left on the gaming community will be forever remembered. So thank you, Volition, even if you did release one really bad Saints Row game. But now, we're going to move on to our second news story of the day. PAX West took place over this Labor Day weekend, and many demos for countless games coming out this year were shown. And reviewers are giving their thoughts, and let me tell you, my friend, I wish I could have gone to PAX West. There's been just a lot of videos on my TikTok and my Instagram, just from, like, the different panels, because a lot of game developers went 
really ham with making really well-designed panels so that they don't just have their demo there, but you also kind of get to feel like you're in the world of that game. It's, it's really, really well done. And some of you might be wondering though, as I'm sitting here telling you about this, what is PAX West? Well, PAX West is, as described on their website, a celebration of gaming and gaming culture featuring thought-provoking panels, a massive expo hall filled with the best publishers and studios, new game demos, musical performances, tournaments, and a community experience unlike any other. And, I mean, gaming conventions, not just PAX West, are all like this. You know, PAX West, of course, has a very special kind of place in the gaming world, being that it does get a lot of, like, first looks at games. A lot of the games that I'm going to be talking about today, this is the first time that gamers are getting hands-on looks at these games. So PAX West is a pretty big deal. And I gotta say, I just, I love the vibe that gaming conventions have. I've always wanted to go to one. I've never had the opportunity to. But just, as I said earlier, seeing, like, footage of it on TikTok, like, there's been footage of a Glamrock Freddy that is like officially made by Steelwall, the creators of the Five Nights at Freddy's security game that's been security breach game, excuse me, that has been going around and like talking about wanting to find Markiplier and talking to different FNAF YouTubers. It is so stinking cool. But let's get into some of the games that were shown off. The first big game demo shown was for Super Mario Wonder, and reviewers are raving about the gameplay, whether single player or co-op. The creativity in the game, which had one reviewer say this is the most creative Mario game in the past three decades. And they're even raving about the large cast of characters. And Super Mario Wonder looks absolutely amazing. I was watching the Super Mario Wonder Nintendo Direct the other day, and I have to say, it is looks just it looks so visually stunning. And as these reviewers are saying, it looks just so creative. They're taking on like this new kind of power-up called the Wonder Fruit, which lets, or maybe it was Wonder Seed, I don't know, there's so many different power-ups in Super Mario games now, but you touch it and just wacky things can happen. Like pipes will start moving, like they showed in the Direct, your perspective could switch, so it's a 2D platformer, but you could end up walking on the back of the level and now you're in like a 3D scape. But there's just a whole lot of other things. They're also going in and they're not just doing like toads as the people that are your friends. There's like a whole new kingdom that's been created that's supposed to be neighboring the Mushroom Kingdom. And as I said, there's a huge roster of characters being Mario, Luigi, two of the toads, Peach, Daisy, a couple of different Yoshis and Nabbit, all with some relatively different play styles. Maybe not different play styles because Mario, Luigi, Peach, Daisy, and the Toads all play the same. However, the Yoshis and Nabbit actually don't take damage from enemies. So it's like one of those things where maybe someone who's a less experienced gamer can hop on as one of them and still get the same enjoyment out of Wonder. But a lot of these game developers are saying, or game developers, excuse me, game reviewers are talking about just how good the Mario Wonder demo was. As I said, it just looks like one of the most creative Mario games, and there's co-op for it, and they even have online for it, which they didn't show off at the demo, but it's just another thing that I think is really cool. So the Super Mario Wonder demo, I wish I could have gotten that hands-on gameplay with it, because even now, we still don't get to see what was shown at PAX West, at least not to my knowledge. So I, I wish I could have seen it, I wish I could have played it, but... I guess I'll have to go to PAX West next time if I want a little look at that. Then, 
we have Like a Dragon Gaiden for the second game that we are going to be talking about at, that was shown at PAX West. Reviewers are praising the game for its return to the action combat that made the game popular, the two new fighting styles that are completely different and add variety, and even multiple playable characters. Now let me tell you, my friend, when I heard about this, I was absolutely just up in arms. I was so, so excited. I am a huge, huge fan of the Yakuza games. Like a Dragon Gaiden is a spinoff of the Yakuza games following the previous game's main character, Kiryu. And recently, the Yakuza games have been transferring to a turn-based RPG style of combat, which I think is absolutely amazing. Playing it in uh, Like a Dragon was absolutely awesome it feels great it looks really good and it just it feels different from yakuza it's different combat but it still feels like a yakuza game and that's why i love it so much and it really lets the game developers be very creative with moves enemies and just so many different things that i think is really cool but the thing that looks so cool about like a dragon gaiden that was shown off in the gameplay demos at PAX West was that they are still kind of maintaining that almost whimsical and kind of creative approach to combat with these two new fighting styles. One of them was called the Agent, which lets you go around and fast and you're throwing out gadgets. Like I remember them talking about how he had like a drone and he was swinging around a grappling hook to attach his giant hordes of enemies. And the other one was the Yakuza style, I believe it was called, which is a little bit more classic kind of Kiryu fighting, more rugged. You're not going to be using no fancy gadgets, but it still is going to be just as effective when it comes to fighting those large crowds of enemies. And another thing that made me absolutely flip when I heard it was multiple playable characters. They were talking about how there's an arena, since the game, it does a lot of times, Yakuza games have an arena where you can kind of just go and fight a lot of harder enemies. And they were talking about how you don't can't just, you, well, you can just go in as just Kiryu, but you can also go into that arena and play as Majima or characters from side quests or just various other characters from the Yakuza series. And when I heard that, my mind was just blown. It's like, how many different playable characters are there going to be? Is it going to be people from older games? Is it going to be people for, that are completely new? How are they going to play? Is it something where I can go back to previous levels in the game and play them as different characters? I have no idea, but the Like a Dragon Gaiden demo shown at PAX West has me absolutely losing my mind. I am so, so excited, and I wish that I could play it. Of course, I can't. I wasn't at PAX West, but hey, who knows? Maybe next year, especially after hearing that. And lastly, I want to talk about FNAF VR 2 Help Wanted, which game reviewers are praising for its sharp graphics and scary atmosphere, leaving one horror or one horror reviewer saying this looks like it could be one of the best horror games on the new VR platform when it releases in December. And when I heard that, I was just, oh my god, I'm so excited. And I remember I actually saw in one of the kind of discussions where one of the reviewers was talking about what he played, he talked about how there was a level on a carousel that featured the moon animatronic from Five Nights at Freddy's Security Breach. And when I heard that, I was just like, oh my god, because the first FNAF VR was absolutely awesome but it kind of focused on a lot of the older games that being like FNAF 1, FNAF 2, FNAF 3, kind of even going into FNAF 4 and 
that's not a problem. Those games were absolutely amazing. And as someone who's played FNAF VR 1, it is so scary and it is so well done and it looks great. But now we have confirmation from these demos shown at PAX West that FNAF VR Help Wanted 2 is going to be going into the security breach era of things, going into sister location, going into a lot of the different FNAF games, and it's even looking like they're going to be doing more original games for the VR game, which I personally love. I think some of the best things in the first FNAF VR game were the event repair and the parts and service mini games, which was just so much fun and so scary. So hearing that they might be kind of going in a little bit more to that kind of making original games using these kind of previously well-known characters makes me so, so excited. And it's coming out for PlayStation VR 2, which means it's going to look a lot better. And as the reviewers were saying, the atmosphere is one of those big things they were praising. And the FNAF atmosphere, you don't realize is so scary until you have a headset on and you can actually see it and are there and you hear it right in your ears and you see how big these animatronics are and you hear how foreboding things like their footsteps are and they're just their noises and just the atmosphere in a FNAF game is so so cool especially in VR so it's caught me really really excited to see what FNAF VR 2 help wanted is going to be and again I wish I could have played this demo at PAX West but those are the only three games that I'm going to be talking about, but there are plenty of other very interesting games shown at PAX West, such as a Punch-Out! spiritual successor, and a whole lot to do with Persona. But if you want to hear more about the games shown at PAX West, Game Informer and Digital Trends have great articles discussing them from people who are actually there and got to play them, and they have very comprehensive looks at each one of the games shown off. So definitely, if you want to get a more in-depth look at what the demos entail and kind of what they have definitely check out Game Informer and Digital Trends articles on those. But that is going to be a wrap on the games shown at PAX West. And now we're going to be moving on to our third news story for today. The game Baldur's Gate was recently released on consoles and critics and gamers alike are praising the game with some developers even being upset about how good the game is. For those unaware, Baldur's Gate is a game series set in the world of Dungeons & Dragons that has a heavy emphasis on character building, decision making, and RPG mechanics. Developed by BioWare, Baldur's Gate 3 is taking the world by storm with a 96 on Metacritic and a user score of 8.9. Now I actually have Baldur's Gate 3, I pre-ordered it on PlayStation, bought it, bought, I bought the special edition so I could get it a few days early, and I haven't played it yet. <laughs> but I've seen a lot of gameplay of it, and it looks really good. It looks exactly like what I would want a D&D game to be, because I have played D&D a lot before, and to be honest with you, I think I played it too much that I kind of got a little tired of it, but Baldur's Gate looks like a lot of fun. I remember I saw a video on my TikTok of a guy who was playing, and there was like a squirrel that was like biting his feet, so he like rolled for dexterity to like kick the squirrel back, and he rolled like a 20, and he ended up just like kicking the squirrel so hard that it like smashed into a tree and like splatted which is super duper gross but it's also cool because that's exactly how it happens in D&D you know you make a decision and you roll and sometimes if it's strength you can 
just go way too hard and you do something that you don't mean to do. And that's what I think makes a game like Baldur's Gate 3 so, so interesting and so, so good for so many people is the decision making and the RPG mechanics of it. And also too, there's just so much character building. If there's one thing that I, and I'm sure many other gamers love, it's having a customizable character. Having a character that you can make your own not only in looks but in decisions is huge and in a game like Dungeons and Dragons that kind of prides itself on being able to do whatever you want you know th that's a game where you play it with a real person so that you can offer to do anything that you want and they can try to like do it for you so turning that into a game it's very important that you make sure that you are making a lot you're having a lot of different decisions that people can make you're having a lot of different character customization options and as i hear it Baldur's Gate 3 has been doing all of that. As I said, really, really high reviews on Metacritic and really great user score. So Baldur's Gate is just really taking the world by storm right now. But game developers aren't feeling as good as regular gamers are because they're saying that Baldur's Gate 3 is so good that they're worried that gamers will look at it as the new expectation when the development behind Baldur's Gate 3 is virtually unreproducible even by bigger studios. And I get what they're saying. Baldur's Gate 3 is one of the, the most ambitious games that I've seen in a while. There's just so much to it. And not only for big developers, but especially I imagine for smaller scale developers, seeing a game be built like this and seeing how highly praised it is, it's gotta be a little disheartening because you're gonna be comparing your game to this game. And Eventually, if you make a game similar to it, gamers are going to be comparing your game to Baldur's Gate 3. But at the end of the day, I think saying that gamers are going to start expecting that is a little bit unfair. Like, I'll go to another game that I think is really great. Let's look at Red Dead Redemption 2. Red Dead Redemption 2 is a phenomenal open world game. There is a lot of different decisions that you can make. There's a very fun gameplay, in my opinion. It's a very great story. Looks great for being on last-gen consoles. And is overall an outstanding game. But at the same time, I don't expect other games to be just as good as Red Dead Redemption. Because at the end of the day, the only game that will ever be as good as Red Dead Redemption and the only game that will ever be as good as, in this case, Baldur's Gate 3 is going to be Baldur's Gate 3. And I, as a gamer, I don't expect anything i don't explain when i see a new game comes out that's fantasy i'm not gonna be like well this better be as good as baldur's gate 3 because that's just not how it is i'm gonna look at it and i'm gonna say okay this looks like a cool game i hope it's good maybe there'll be things that i really like in baldur's gate 3 that i like to see elsewhere but to expect a game on such a large scale like Baldur's Gate 3 to be reproduced by other people, I think is just, even as a gamer, as someone who isn't behind the scenes, I think that's really unrealistic. But I don't think that game developers like should be worried about what other studios are doing. But many people are actually taking what these developers are saying out of context. Many of these developers are actually claiming to love Baldur's Gate 3. They just worry that the unreproducible development of the game will be something that gamers and the masses start to expect. And I actually did see a post from one of these developers who shared these concerns, and he didn't seem like a jerk about it. He didn't seem like he was trying to be lazy or like he hates Baldur's Gate 3 or he hates gamers. But at the same time, I just feel like it's something that developers shouldn't have to be worried about. 
why should you be worried about what other gamers are going to think? And why should you be worried about what game... Well, I guess you should be worried about what gamers think, considering you are making a game for gamers. But at the same time, like I said earlier, I'm not expecting a new medieval fantasy RPG game to be the next Baldur's Gate 3. I'm sure there's going to be some people who do. And in my opinion, I think that's just, I think that's just so stupid. I don't, and even then, I wouldn't want games to be a new Baldur's Gate 3 or a new Red Dead Redemption 2 because I don't want a new version of those games. If I want to play Baldur's Gate 3, I'm going to play Baldur's Gate 3. I'm not going to look at like Dragon and Dungeon 7, the the dungeons crawling to like get the same experience but just more no i'm gonna play Baldur's gate 3 so in my opinion this isn't something that developers should have to be worried about but at the end of the day all we can do as gamers is just sit back relax and see who knows maybe the masses are gonna start expecting games to be released in that quality and don't get me wrong Baldur's gate is a game that released very high quality and i do think that video games recently have been kind of allowing themselves to slip. They're releasing games in very, very poor states with a lot of bugs and a lot of just technical issues that they're just like, ah, we release it now and then we patch it later. I don't think that's something that should be done. But then again, I also think that's a completely different argument from what we're talking about here with Baldur's Gate 3. But like I said, we're just gonna have to see what happens and hope, at least I'm going to be hoping, that this isn't something that gamers start to expect. Because at the end of the day, I don't want game developers to feel any pressure when they're making a game. I want developers to make a game that they enjoy, that they like. And yeah, they can have influence from Baldur's Gate 3, but I don't want another Baldur's Gate 3 from other people. I want whatever those developers' visions for this game will be. Even if it's worse than Baldur's Gate 3. I still want it because it's important to have various different games from various different people with various different ideas so that's all i have to say about that and that's gonna wrap up our third and final news story for today but make sure you stay tuned because right now we're gonna be moving into some game headlines that's right you're not gonna be hearing my voice for much much longer i know you're sitting there and you're like thank God, I don't have to hear his voice anymore. You're going to hear the voice of one of my very, very good friends. So please enjoy these video game headlines. My name is John Wills, and you're listening to Keyboards to Controllers. It is now time for your video game headlines. The video game series Stray, which took the internet by storm, is being adapted into an animated movie. The voice actor for Super Mario, Charles Martinet, has officially retired as the voice actor. Although he no longer voices the character, he has been hired on as the Mario ambassador, which Martinet says he, quote, isn't quite sure what that means yet. Bethesda's new space RPG Starfield has been released. Critics have given the game scores of around 7 out of 10. SAG-AFTRA's national board is unanimously seeking permission from union members to strike against a number of video game makers ahead of negotiations resuming later this month. Video game developer Niantic is once again partnering up with Nintendo to release a brand new Pikmin augmented reality game. A new James Bond mobile game has been announced titled Cyber 007. 
The game is set to be released on September 29th for the Apple Arcade and features the James Bond villain Biofeld. The city of Atlanta has been using video games as a way to teach students valuable life skills. The aim is to introduce students to real-life problems through the use of Minecraft Education Edition. Payday 3 is getting an open beta on Xbox and PC that plans to run from September 8th to September 11th. THQ Nordic has announced that their Alone in the Dark reboot has been delayed until January so the developers could spend additional time on the game. Netflix is currently testing out a game streaming service. The beta is exclusively for Netflix users in the UK and Canada. Universal Studios Halloween Horror Night is having a Last of Us-themed maze fitted with clickers and bloaters. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre game is releasing a new update that will make it much easier to find matches. The UFC 5 cover art was dropped extremely suddenly by EA Sports. The cover features the current male featherweight champion and the previous women's featherweight champion. The new Walking Dead game, Walking Dead Destinies, allows you to change the fate of the characters and even the plot of the show. Those have been your video game headlines for today, September 8th. I'm John Wills. Thank you very much to my great-great friend, John Wills. But now that the video game headlines are over, it's now time to do a little bit of a transition because after news and after headlines, we're now going to be taking a look at leaks and rumors in the gaming sphere. I'll be telling you all the important information about the leak or rumor and tell you whether or not I think it's real. So without a further ado and without any more yapping, let's just hop right into it. Because the first leak that we're going to be talking about today is Take-Two Interactive CEO phone call leaks potential GTA 6 release date. That's right, a phone call from Take-Two Interactive CEO Strauss Zelnick has potentially leaked the release date for Grand Theft Auto 6. The phone call was leaked from Twitter user GTA 6 Post. In the call, we hear Zelnick say that GTA 6 will be announced next month on October 23rd, and the game will actually end up releasing next year in October. Now, GTA 6 leaks are a very interesting thing because GTA 6 leaks are literally constant all of the time there is a GTA 6 leak. You can load up Twitter and you'll see like a shot taken from somebody's phone on like a two inch size screen of like the worst looking gameplay that you've known to man and someone will be like, this is GTA 6 leaked gameplay because GTA 6 leaks are very, very big. Especially if it's a convincing leak, potentially real or fake, people are gonna wanna see it. People are really, really excited for GTA 6. They wanna know what it's gonna be like. And so, seeing these leaks and seeing these rumors, it gets people being like, oh my gosh, this is what GTA 6 looks like before it even gets a trailer. And this leak and rumor is, if it is fake, so well done because this is giving an exact time frame and date for when not only the game is gonna be announced, but also when the game is gonna be released in a way that feels very convincing. So let's take a look at a phone call, at the phone call, excuse me. In exact words, the phone call says, quote, the plans for the next Grand Theft Auto game are set, and we expect Rockstar Games to be one of our labels that are expected to launch a new title in fiscal 2025, which would, of course, be the next Grand Theft Auto that is set to be launched in fiscal 2025, October 24th to be precise. 
Actually, an announcement is expected to be coming from Rockstar's side very soon. This coming October 23rd, actually. And we do expect, out of the many titles launching within fiscal 2025, we expect a high percentage of that $8 billion in net bookings to come from the next Grand Theft Auto. So, hopefully, everything goes as planned. And that's the strategy for Six goes the way we expect it to. And, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say on my behalf. And, and all of that was the quote. I am now done reading the quote. And mind you, that is an audio clip. And I mean, it sounds good. I, I did filter out a lot of the ums and the uhs that are actually in that call. But there are a lot of like vocal stutters. As you can tell when I'm reading it, it kind of sounds a little funny. Like it sounds like how someone would actually be telling you about like this, especially from the CEO. However... I don't know how to feel about the person who leaked it because the leaker, GTA 6 posts, who he was the first person to kind of put this out there and say, hey, this is a thing, doesn't really report on leaks. From what I can see, the account takes whatever leaks, no matter how real or fake they seem, and they post it. So seeing this leak from them doesn't exactly mean much. Plus, with the rise of AI voices, it's unbelievably possible that the entire phone call could be completely fake. The person, GTA 6 post, I just... I don't see them being a reliable source. It just, it feels a little too good to be true. And especially because this is a Twitter account that is completely dedicated to GTA 6 leaks. And again, as I said, it doesn't matter if they look like the most convincing thing you've ever seen or just the most mid unrealistic thing that you've ever seen. They will post them because that's the entire nature of their account. They are looking for content. They are always looking for leaks. And I wouldn't be surprised if they would go as far as to make one. And as I said, AI voices are becoming extremely convincing. For example, my girlfriend had a birthday and I wanted to do kind of like a fake little radio hour where I would give her hints on what we were doing on her birthday. So I went online and I found an AI voice generator. And of course, I do not condone AI voice generation, especially in things that are making money and are being mass produced. But this was a kind of a special circumstance in the sense of I did it privately. And also this was very much before a lot of the backlash. And there was the whole controversy about how people are using voices and stuff like that as a way to like potentially like rip off actors and voice actors. But I put in just a short clip of Albert Wesker from one of the Resident Evil games into the software and it reproduced his voice virtually perfectly with some tweaking i could barely tell the difference between the ai generated voice and what he actually sounded like in the game and of course take two ceo strauss zelnick there is no short amount of voice clips and times that you hear him talking and interviews that you can go to to find times that he talks so the likelihood that this is somebody who just wrote up a very convincing like fake leak and then they just had an AI kind of go through and just recreate what they wrote it's very realistic I think I think it's something that could genuinely happen and especially for an account that is completely reliant on GTA rumors I wouldn't be surprised like I said if they are even willing to make one but despite this one of the most hard-hitting evidence for this leak being true is that take to themselves has been taking down videos and posts that contain the footage from this leaked call. Now, again, this could mean one or two of two things. Either A, 
this is a real phone call, and Take-Two is taking this down because they're scared that people are now actually learning the release date, and this is going to become a big deal. And if it spreads around too much, then people are going to start knowing too much about GTA 6, and it's going to go bad for them when they actually do want to release it. Or B, it could mean that this is completely fake and Take-Two is taking it down because they aren't trying to have fake footage of people saying, oh, well, this game's coming out on October 24th because then when October 24th does come around and the game doesn't release, the people who believed that it was going to happen are going to be like, wait a minute, where's GTA 6? And then they could even potentially get mad at Take-Two. So while I do think this is a good piece of evidence that supports the fact that this leak could be real, I do also think that in a way this could support that the leak is fake as well. So in my opinion, I think there's a little bit of evidence for this leak being true. And I think there's a lot of evidence for this leak being fake. And in my opinion, this leak just feels too good to be true. How did they get a leaked phone call or how did they get a phone call from the CEO of Take-Two? Not only that, but they also just happened to record it when he was talking about the release date of GTA 6. I don't know. I don't really buy it. But the only way that we can really see for sure if this leak is true is we just have to wait until next month. Who knows? Maybe we'll get GTA 6 and I'll be here eating my dust. But until then, that's going to be a wrap on the GTA 6 leak. Persona 6 is leaked to not be released in 2024. Popular Persona leaker, I'm a Hero 2 has leaked information regarding the next installment of the Persona series, and more specifically on the time frame of the game's release, which sadly will not be any time in 2024. I'm Not a Hero 2 stated that the last time he heard about the development of the game, it was a bit further away than the last time he heard about it, and he even said that he thinks that we won't be getting it for a while. Now, I'm not too surprised that we aren't getting another Persona game for a while because Persona 5 was so, so popular that I just can't imagine that Atlas is looking to start making another Persona game. I mean, there have been countless spinoffs of Persona 5. There's been Persona Q, there's been Persona 5 Tactica, there's been Persona 5 Royale, there's been Persona 5 Strikers, and there's even in this leak... I'm Not a Hero 2 said that there's even a new Persona game to be released, which he says is going to be a party game, which I assume is also going to be themed around Persona 5. The point is, Persona 5 has just, and I know I've been saying this a lot today, it took the world by storm. And just, I can't see why Atlas would be looking to start making another Persona game when this Persona 5 is just still doing just as good and is still being loved by the internet. I just can't see it. But in my research on this leaker, because I'm not a hero too, I mean, I always like to try to see, like, who is the leaker? Are they, like, reliable? Are they someone who's leaked right things in the past? But this guy, I'm Not a Hero 2, seems to be a very popular and reliable source for Persona leaks. One article that I read about him even said that he, when I'm a Hero 2 speaks, you listen. However, I'm not too sure about the validity of his claims due to the fact that he said previously that Persona 6 was supposed to be announced last winter, which 
as we can see, has not happened. Not only this, but he also has a lot of odd details about the new Persona game, such as the color scheme that the game plans to work with and how it started to be green and is now shifting over to a black and white color scheme. And I mean, honestly, the big thing that makes me kind of doubt the validity of this leak is the fact that he said that Persona 6 was gonna be coming out during the winter and it just didn't. Then again, game development is also a, it's a very slippery slope. You know, at one point you could be saying that my game is going to be releasing in December. And then by December comes and the game is just absolutely nowhere close to being done and you have to push it back. And that's why a lot of game developers wait a while before they start announcing things like release dates. Because they want to make sure that the game is at a suitable enough place that they can announce a release date and actually have it done by the time that they say that they do. So... Well, this doesn't necessarily break the fact that this leak is true or false. I definitely think that the fact that he previously tried to give a release date and it didn't, like, it just wasn't right definitely makes me a little bit skeptical when he comes back and tells us that there's another release date. And also, I just want to talk a little bit about how he said the color scheme. And I know what he's talking about. I know what I'm not a hero 2 is talking, or I'm a hero 2 is talking about, excuse me. Because Persona games do tend to have a color scheme. Like, I think Persona 5s would probably be red. I'm pretty sure Persona 4s was, like, blue. And they just kind of have, like, a lot of different, like, colors and, like, they are very stylized and colorful games, so it makes sense that they do have a color scheme. But it's just, if you're going to be leaking something as big as the release date for Persona 6, why do I care about the color scheme? I don't care. Why do I care? Then again, that could just be a detail that he's thrown in, because maybe that is something that means a lot to people in the Persona community. I'm not as involved as many people are in the Persona community. I'm a big fan of Persona 5. I'm a big fan of Persona 5 Royale, and I'm a big fan of Persona 5 Strikers. But I wouldn't consider myself to be an active member of the community. So for all I know, that color scheme could be a huge, huge deal. And two, another detail that he mentioned was the other Persona game, which is a party game, which some might say, oh, a party game? Is that really legit? Is that really happening? And to be honest with you, I could honestly see it happening. The party game honestly feels like the most legitimate thing out of this I'm a Hero 2 leak. Because Persona 5 has really just been getting spin-off after spin-off after spin-off. They're making a new mobile game. They're making a tactical game. They're making a DS game. It's like, I wouldn't be surprised if their next step was wanting to make a party game now. Because they're just trying to ride this Persona bandwagon. And another big thing that kind of points to this leak being true, is that he's a very reputable leaker in the JRPG community, correctly leaking news on various JRPG games, such as Final Fantasy. So, sure, he's correctly leaked some things in the past, and I would have to go very, very in-depth and get a comprehensive list of each and every one of the things that he has leaked and how many of them are true and how many of them are false. Because I'm sure, in a way, Leaking, and if you wanted to be a fake leaker, is as simple as giving out a very, very broad release time. And then when it's right or wrong, if it's wrong, you just say, oh, you know, well, the developers actually pushed it back a little bit. And if it's right, then you're like, see, I told you I'm a reputable leaker now. And that's the thing. I'm a Hero 2 has said before, or not before, but he gave the release date, or not the release date, but said the Persona isn't going to be coming out in 2024. 
And that is just such a broad statement to me. It feels just so like, like open-ended. It's like, okay, it's not coming out in 2024. I think anybody with two pairs of eyes that has kept an eye on the Persona fandom can see that Persona 6 probably isn't going to be releasing in 2024. Maybe an announcement, but definitely not being released in 2024. So I just don't know. In my opinion, to conclude on this leak, I feel like in a way it could have some potential, especially when you want to talk about that Persona Party game that's being leaked. I feel like it could have some potential on being true, but at the same time, it feels very broad. There's a lot of very specific details, and when you combine it with the fact that he's previously tried to leak Persona 6 and it just wasn't right, it, it kind of makes me start to doubt whether or not it's true. But Again, as I said with the GTA 6 announcement, or with the GTA 6 leak, we kind of just have to wait and see. And that's, that's the nature of leaks. You hear them, and you see them, and they make you a little excited, and then you get a little skeptical, and then you're like, okay, well, now I just gotta wait for him. But with how reputable he is in the community, if he's reputable, and all of the things I was seeing was just like, he's a reputable leaker, he knows what he's talking about, he is very, like, knowledgeable in the gaming, like, leaking sphere. So it does definitely add to the fact that this leak could be true, but at the same time, and I'm probably going to say this with a lot of the leaks I talk about here, I like to remain skeptical. And plus, I'd like Persona 6 to come out in 2024. I'd like for it to be announced in, like, next month and be released in 2024. So that, though, is going to be my conclusion on the Persona 6 leak. I think it has some validity behind it, but overall, I'm gonna try to stay skeptical on it because it just feels a little too broad for me. But with that, that is gonna conclude our section on leaks and rumors. So with that, this edition of Keyboards to Controllers is coming to an end. I know, the first edition coming to an end is very very sad because we discussed a lot of big news today like the closing of video game studio volition and we talked about the leaks of the release date for the next entry in the persona series but before we go though i'd like to end off each edition of keyboards to controllers with my game recommendation of the week it's quite simple i'm going to give you a video game recommendation i'm going to tell you why i think that game is so good and this week's recommendation is the detective spinoff of the Yakuza series, Judgment. That's right, Judgment. And, I mean, I don't think anyone has seen my YouTube videos here before. But if anyone listening right now has seen some YouTube videos that I've made in the past, I love Judgment. And as I even mentioned earlier in this podcast, I love Yakuza games. And the detective spinoff, Judgment, is just so so good, not only as a Yakuza game, but also as a jumping off point for people who want to play a Yakuza game, but they're just intimidated by the fact that there's Yakuza 0, Yakuza 1, Yakuza 2, Yakuza 3, Yakuza 4, 5, 6, Like a Dragon, Ishin, all of these different games. Judgment is a perfect jumping off point because it is completely separate from the Yakuza story. Judgment is its own self-contained story about a private detective who takes on a really big case involving a murderer in Camarocho, and he has to solve it. 
and all throughout you're a detective who just knows a really really cool martial arts style it's like his own kind of street style that involves a lot of like really flashy moves big bombastic cool kicks really hard hitting punches you have like these really cool auras that flash around you one of the things that yakuza games are very well known for is these things called heat moves which are like really special moves where you kind of do a really big flourishing attack that does a lot of damage and judgment has no short of awesome heat moves and really really cool attacks that just make the game visually so so cool not only that but it's also on previous generation consoles and it's on newer generation consoles so i think it is a perfect jumping off point for someone that wants to get into the yakuza series and for those who don't want to get into the yakuza series let me tell you it has a great story it starts off a little slow but once you get into it it just sucks you right in it is a great detective crime drama it has a really really fun martial arts combat system and it looks great it, it really does it looks great you can play it dubbed or subbed so you can get that authentic kind of japanese voice acting experience with subtitles or you can have the game completely dubbed over in english both sound and look great and overall i just think that for somebody who has any interest in like crime dramas or martial arts i think judgment is the perfect game for you so with that my game recommendation of the week it looks like this episode of keyboards to controllers is gonna have to come to an end but i had a lot of fun and i'll be back next week to give you the up-to-date news leaks rumors and some headlines so until that time comes Thank you for listening, my friend, and I'll see you next week. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Keyboard 2 Controllers. Tune in next week for the most up-to-date news on all things video gaming.